I'm Derek. And I'm Drew. And we are on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a wonder tour. We connect leadership concepts to story contexts because it sticks to our brain better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. Derek, it's time for your performance review. We're going to see what your customers have been saying about how well you've been selling the wonder tour out in the wide open world. tour where our prices have never been lower <laughs> liquor, uh, our prices have never been lower uh well we've been looking forward to this one um just because uh it's it's a really good episode of the office um this one's called customer survey and uh it's also in uh season five so yeah there's a lot of good ones in season five just because i think that the right mix the right recipe was there in that in that season uh to really create some just uh epic stellar episodes and it's it's all the ingredients i i don't think anybody really i mean i've heard people emphasize different ingredients about the the mix of uh people in the office it's just i don't know it's just a good combination whatever it is fantastic yeah everything comes comes together here when they're all in one office i think in scranton that's why season five is my favorite season for sure okay so let's talk about customer survey once again we're going to just narrow focus in on one of the storylines that happens in this episode i think here and of course the storyline that we're going to narrow in on is going to be the jim and dwight get these bad performance reviews from the customers so they're going in, they're having to talk to Michael about their bonuses, which they get based on these customer survey numbers. And at first, Dwight goes in and his customer survey numbers are not what he's hoping for. So he comes out, he's dissatisfied. He, <laughs> he makes it known. Then Jim goes in and suddenly his aren't what he's expecting either. And Michael, of course, is none the wiser that anything else is going on. He's just like, wow, you guys are just falling off. Like, so here's what's going to have to happen. And this is a lesson for everybody out there that hopefully we've all already learned, but I just thought it, Michael couldn't say it better. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to fix you. <laughs> he says to Jim and Dwight. <laughs> yeah, you love being fixed, right? <laughs> yeah, that's as magnanimous leaders who really just want to see everybody succeed Here's what we're not doing, fixing people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it takes so much energy. But hats off to Michael for at least having the thought uh, and the heart to care. Um, yeah, manage you two on a more personal scale. Manage you on a micro scale. Isn't there a word for that? <laughs> <laughs> 
what does he what does Jim say micro management <laughs> oh yeah 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 I love that I love that yeah I mean of course he's not gonna say like the trite phrase because you know then Michael will be able to remember that from one of his business books that he's that he's written how I manage <laughs> so this let's just jump right into the to the meat of this one Derek we got to talk about the the customer survey call. So Michael brings them into the conference room, Jim and Dwight, that is, and he sets up this scenario for them where he's got to check to see if the, you know, help them to fix their issues that they're having when they're talking to the customers. So he sets him up where Dwight is, is the salesperson and Jim is the customer. They're on the phone here, and this is where we get the absolutely hilarious, you know, William M. Butlicker conversation. What does this thing mean to you, Derek? What does this scene mean to you? Well, I mean, you know, Michael, he starts out with, I think, the best of intentions, as usual, of course. Uh, but when somebody is so naive, I mean, obviously, Jim being, you know, so incredibly intelligent, I mean, he sees it as a great opportunity to put pain to put pain to Dwight and do something fun in the process. Um, and, you know, it's it's like he finds the edge of every game and it's like, I'm going to push all the way up to that rule, right? And I love how Michael just naively accepts the fact that Jim makes this name up, which Jim knows is going to knock Dwight off kilter. Then Dwight tries to roll with it, but he's just like the whole time thinking, this is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous name. And then Jim also turns the heat up on him by being more aggressive than Dwight ever has aggressed. Is that a word? But, you know, basically, you know, he's, he's out aggressive, uh, Dwight out, 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 let's see, outly. Anyway, he's, he's been more aggressive than Dwight. So <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just leave it at that, but, you know, and, and that really messes with Dwight because Dwight is, characteristically like the way he sees himself is that he's the most aggressive predator in the room right every time that that is part of his identity and when you violate that uh it really knocks him off kilter because he's like how do i be more aggressive than this ultra aggressive customer i mean dwight or sorry jim sets up all these trip wires around himself and he's just like if you cross this then i'm gonna get you know i'm gonna say this you know it's like uh i mean there's obviously several examples we don't have time to go into all of them but he really does like set up a lot of tripwires around himself and that that really gets Dwight Dwight is getting frustrated right um all right you take it's it. the old brain versus brawn right that's the classic Jim and Dwight is brains versus brawn which one's gonna win out Dwight brings the brute force Jim brings the the tactics and strategy and moving the rules of the game around on him and it hilarity ensues. <laughs> so what, let's talk about what's actually happening here, though. So there's a bigger game that's being played. Getting back to our game theory theme. There's a big game that's being played here, which is there's a bonuses to be given out. These bonuses are based on these customer survey numbers. Jim and Dwight feel slighted. Normally, they're the best salespeople at this company. Yet their reviews came in poor. So they're playing this bigger game to understand, you know, my bonuses are being messed with. Um, and they get drawn into by Michael 
this smaller game, so a game within a game. We have a nested game situation here, very common in the real world, where you're playing bigger games, but then within those bigger games, you have these smaller games that need to be played. Um, and so you kind of get drawn into these completely different types of games. You know, the bigger game is this kind of sleuthing game, um, this this hidden information game where Kelly's doing something, doctoring the numbers for a reason that they don't understand. And they're having slowly over time, they're, you know, they're doing a clue type thing to figure out who's going, you know, how they're going to uncover the, the secret. But then they get thrown into this like Tron world where now they're in this game and they don't understand the rules. Um, the rules are not set up at all. And the, so this micro game or game within a game that they're playing here is the buttlicker game maybe we'll call it i don't know what you want to call it here <laughs> derek so, but within this game like the rules are crazy and they don't seem to really matter and every you know the finish line's constantly being moved on dwight as he plays the game tell me about this derek i'm sure this has happened to you sometime in your life what happens when you get thrown into a a bill buttlicker game <laughs> yeah i was going to call it the impossible customer game but <laughs> Um, I think that, you know, Bill Butler game makes a better t-shirt. Um, but I mean, these, these are literally situations that you just have to survive. Um, and this is not the way Dwight sees it at all. Um, but you can see Jim kind of closes the walls in on him even more, even more, even more. Like he has given him the nightmare scenario and maybe it's that, I mean, I think it's funny because, I mean, one of the things that's really, you know, helped, uh, like, I don't know, really nice about Michael is that he's just, he's trying to coach Dwight through it. He really is. Genuinely, he is trying to micromanage him through it. I mean, he promised he would micromanage him, and he is, you know, like he's coming through. Um, I mean, some of the quotes is, you know, he he's hard of, he's, you know, he's an old man. Let's go, you know. He's just like, because he's like, Jim's like, sorry, you're going to have to speak up a little bit louder. I'm hard of hearing, you know. And, and, and so Michael's trying to help him through it, but, um, and, you know, and Dwight resets, you know, it's funny because Michael can kind of convince Dwight to kind of reset, you know? So he's like, okay, as I was saying right now, we are having, and Jim's like, you're going to have to talk a bit louder. So he moved the rules again. Right. And then, you know, Dwight's like, okay, our prices have never been lower. You're going to have to talk, son, you're going to have to talk louder. Never been lower. <laughs> and he drives him towards this, like, you know, eventuality here. Um, I don't, I mean, it, this is, this is not, you're not going to like, this is literally a nightmare scenario. You're not going to find this out in the wild. You are going to have situations though, where someone's going to have a bad day. Right. And you're going to have a little bit of this, right? Like well, a light version. Yeah, no, this, this game within a game can happen within a conversation that you have with your, you know, somebody in your family and friends. It can happen, you know, a phone call. It can happen within a single meeting. I, a good example that I've seen this happen in the past is in like a project evaluation where the whole, the project, you're playing this game over the course of time, you know, it's already a game within a game. It's a project within a business plan or whatever. And then underneath of it, you're in this single evaluation for a single aspect or, you know, a single like gate of this project essentially. And you just get in this butt challenge in the middle of this evaluation. And the, you know, the evaluators are like, playing a completely different game than you thought you were going to play when you came into the room and you don't you're trying to like 
quickly grapple with the rules of this game. They're asking questions that you don't have any answers to necessarily. You're just like, oh, wow, I did not think that this was going to come. This game was going to get played this way at all. And like Dwight puts on a show of how not to handle the nested game situation, right? The nested game, the rules are, you don't know what the rules are. Like you just got to kind of fly by the seat of your pants and have fun in those, in that situation. If you don't, if you don't understand the rules and you can tell it's like a game within a game within a game or something like that. Like for me, usually it's like, all right, let's just play by the fact that we're like in wonderland right now. And I'm not, the last thing I want to do is, you know, the way that you lose that game is getting aggressive, getting angry, losing your cool. I've seen that happen so many times, you know, somebody will set somebody else up. They may, like you said, maybe somebody just had a bad day. We're in a meeting and we thought it was going to go one way and somebody butt liquor challenges somebody else. And the other person just loses their cool because they were not expecting to play that game in that meeting that day. They just thought it was going to go a different way, right? Like the, the stereotypical reason that people quote unquote get angry is because their will has been thwarted. Right. Mm. So there, yeah. Talk to me That's about good. that there. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, and, and in this case, their will is maybe their expectation of how they thought it would go. Um, and then also the persona that they're projecting. Um, when you collapse a persona in an interaction, um, that could be shattering to the other opponent because personas are so flimsy, you know, these projections uh, that we want people to think that we are. And Dwight has this one here where he's he's making a projection of, you know, I'm, you know, Mr. Nice, like, but aggressive salesman. Um, and we all know that if you got on the phone with Dwight, like, he's very aggressive, you know. It's like, I know all the things, and I'm going to give you your choices, and you're going to buy paper from me right now. Um, but when you when you have those moments of shattering somebody's persona, I mean, they could either become disillusioned or they can become quite angry because they're fearful, right? Um, this is definitely not something that I would recommend uh, consciously doing what Jim's doing here. Um, but I think people have days where they lean into something like this because they really just want to feel the energy. Um, have you ever kind of encountered somebody like, I, you know, obviously nothing too specific here, but have you ever encountered somebody, you know, kind of leaning into the energy uh, and you know that they're just kind of, they're just issuing the challenge just to feel, I don't know, they're, they're kind of a conflict seeker of sorts. Does that make sense? Just disagreeing to disagree. I heard this yeah. recently from a friend, you know, like just kind of like, man, I just talked to this person and all they do is just want to disagree with me. You know, what is it's that? A, it's a demeanor. You know, at some point it becomes a demeanor. It becomes part of your character. You're argumentative. You don't want to just accept things. But I think it it kind of goes back to the idea of anger and and kind of contentment that gets built up when your will is thwarted. So we see that happen in this situation, you know, that both of these guys, their will is thwarted. They wanted to get the nice bonus. They wanted the good customer review scores. And when that doesn't happen, then now they're set on this tangent 
um, which is different than what they thought was going to happen. So Dwight is losing his mind over this already. You can tell Dwight does not do well when his will is thwarted at all. Jim outwardly, of course, he's cool because that's Jim's character. But inwardly, you can tell he's freaking out a little bit because of the Pam thing. He needs the money for the house to buy his parents' house. So I, I don't know. I think there's something to to learn here. And one thing we always want to talk about empathy here is when you notice that somebody's kind of choosing to be a butt licker, I think it's important to think about, you know, where did their will get thwarted? Were you a part of that? Not to say that, you know, not to provide blame on yourself or anything like that, though, of course, you could be at fault. <laughs> we all can be. But it's it's important to look at that because when somebody starts to get heated, it's usually, in my experience, again, only my personal experience, because their will has been thwarted. And so if you can help figure out where their will has been thwarted, then sometimes you can help untangle that anger and you can get yourself out of the butt liquor challenge and back into the game that actually matters. And, and are you saying will here is uh, their identity and their expectations? Is that about expectations? And yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking primarily expectations, but identity works just as well. Yeah, it, even more so on the identity side. If your expectations get thwarted, that's a big hit to you. But if if it feels like somebody's attacking your identity, then certainly people will get angry. Oh yeah, I mean that that one really fires you up. I mean, you're you, what you in the situation you are expecting, right? Your expectations are going to be feedback that you're expecting that can build your identity more, right? Dwight, um, you know, he has the expectation that he's going to get this fake sale, right? Um, and then when Jim makes it a million dollars, it's like, oh my goodness, the, the stakes just go way up, right? And, you know, Dwight's identity is, well, I'm the best salesman that Dunder Mifflin has. Of course, I'm going to get the million dollar sale, right? And so when he fails on both counts, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, and, and Jim knows this, obviously, pushing the buttons, you know. But yeah, I, that's that's kind of I was just want to make sure we unpacked, you know, the will thing there because I th I think that's really good what you said. It's all a part of the game, actually. Understanding what people's wills are in a game is critically important, and a lot of times it's that is like super hidden information because even what they're telling you and what you're seeing is not always going to be what's actually happening inside of their head or what they're they're past is with this topic or whatever. Yeah, I like that. Um, so where do we go from here? I think we go back to the bigger game, right? So we've played this game inside of a game. Um, it really didn't do anything to help move the ball uh, because ironically, the issue is not that Jim and Dwight have actually had bad customer reviews, right? Yeah, they're playing the entirely wrong game, right? Like if you're going to play, if you're going to introduce a game within a game. So you brought up before that you don't want to really it's not probably not best to butt or challenge somebody the way that Jim does it to move the rules on them. It's not fair and equitable to be doing that to somebody at, from a position of, you know, in this scenario, it's not like real power, but from a position of supposed power. That's, you know, we don't really want to just leverage that to mess with somebody else. But I do want to I, I do want to entertain the idea that there are good times to introduce a game within a game, Derek. In this situation, you you poked a hole right through it. You were like, yeah, they're not actually sol the game within a game is not solving the real problem because the real problem is not that these guys are not good at, good with customers. They actually are good with customers. Their reviews were great. So trying to solve that problem is futile. It's it's not a problem that exists. But if you're going to solve a real problem, so I let me let me just tease you with a little game within a game here. So. 
one game within a game that I really like is if you need to get people engaged in a larger game, you can implement a micro scale game that you can use to kind of get the larger game going, right? To get them to either understand the larger game, to get them to want be more interested in the larger game. And one of my favorite ways to, to do that is maybe you're starting out a meeting or something like that. You can start out with a small five to 10 minute game, right? I love, I'll always say, I love this this one. You, I've done it with you before, Derek, the coming up with just horrible ideas game. Just, it's a good way to get people started, right? If you want to do, if you want to come up with good ideas for something, maybe start with coming up with bad ideas for that same thing first, right? So good yeah. example. Yeah. Good distraction, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I don't know, here's one off the top of my head. Here's come up with a new, you know, bad ideas for a new way that people are going to, a new exhibit at the zoo. <laughs> right? Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does. It does. And it, what it does, right. It, it, it gets your, uh, it gets your defenses lowered. So I think that's a good point here is that if we, if we talk about a good distraction game, um, there are purposes for distraction games. And in this case, I think Jim, he needed to have a little bit of fun because he just had something bad happen to him, right? His performance review was just pretty crappy. And so I think he launched into this distraction game because he was leaning into the fact that Michael was already trying to fix something. So he's like, okay, well, I better, he's playing a game too. He wants to survive the fact that Michael wants to fix him, right? So to survive that, he makes uh, his competition feel or sorry be worse than him right so that's another game jim's playing here and that's the thing we got to look at here is that jim is extremely intelligent right you said brain versus brawn i think this is perfect um so he goes and he has this distraction game um and, and this distraction game ultimately doesn't serve much of a purpose except to disarm michael oh well i tried you know i tried i tried to micromanage you you know and so he got okay let's you know get off me michael go away you know um and then he kind of falls into the, you know, what's really going on. But getting back to what you said, as far as the distraction game, I think it, I mean, obviously it always helps uh, people drop their guard. So, you know, when you're trying to meet with somebody and you, you, there are, there is a purpose to some of these distraction games because they can help you feel, you know, more comfortable uh, starting to engage, you know, deeper thinking or ideas, or, you know, if you're trying to ideate with people and, and kind of figure things out, you know, like there is a, a definite bright side to some distractibility uh, mixed into the larger, you know, let's say incomplete information game that you're playing, which is you may be trying to solve a problem and you don't know how to solve that problem yet. And you need other players to enter the game. So you're trying to basically get these players to enter the game because um, so many other times I think we struggle with the fact that the players don't even want to enter the game. They don't want to click the button to start playing. They just want to sit there and watch on the outside of the game. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in upcoming episodes about, you know, when to enter the game. Um, I think, cause it's a really important decision to make um, because you get to look at a lot of different things, but we'll save that for a future episode. Um, so what do you think, Drew? I think the game within a game is is really critical that we've talked about here. And there's different ways that you can use it. There's ways not to use a game within a game. There's ways potentially to use a game within a game. I think the more I think about it, I'll probably be able to come up with more examples in my life of where I've seen games within a game work and, and completely fall apart. 
And I, I think it's just good to be aware that that's a possibility. It's like when you're reaching, it's like inception when you need to go another dream deeper, right? It's like, you you know, you can realize you're in a game, but like, okay, this game is falling apart. Like we got to go one game deeper. Now that is risky. Obviously, just like it is an inception, you don't want to go all the way down to the bottom and, and not have a plan, but sometimes you can go one game deeper, right? <laughs> well, I was, it's the, I was laughing uh, as you're talking about that. Cause I was thinking the same thing. I mean, I almost the exact same instant that you said it on here. I was thinking, yeah, this is kind of like inception. And, you know, when you do go deeper, I think there you have the risk of misaligning the outcome of the deeper game uh, to the to the, uh, the outer game. Right. And then the outer game to the next outer game. And if you can't keep those aligned to favorable outcomes, then it will collapse. And the smaller I mean, I would say that the more entered the game. Um, and the, the likelihood of collapse is, you know, inconsequential. But I think if you really jam on it here, um, the thing that's sorry, the game that's in between the inner game and the outer game, the most outer game is the most important, because if that collapses, then you really are left with an outer game with no purpose, potentially. Uh, and the inner game, you know, it, it may not do anything. Right. So. Yeah, like you said, playing nested games, you got to really watch that. You can't go too many layers deep. Otherwise, uh, you run the risk of misalignment and misalignment can essentially not drive the outcome that you're thinking of. Oh, Uh, gosh. For a magnanimous leader. Yeah, for a magnanimous leader. I mean, you know, you want that outcome to be good, good for yourself, good for others. Right. We we shoot for win wins. I mean, we don't we don't play zero sums, you know. not typically. It's so, like a telephone uh, project game, man. It's like, you know, you're playing oh, yeah. telephone game of, oh, we didn't meet a metric. So one person talks to another person and another person talks to another person, another person talks to another person. Like we got like, you know, by the time that we actually like set up a project to to attack this issue. Oh, my goodness. What game are we even playing? Like there's no tie back from the net, like the deep embedded game to the original game that somebody was even trying mm. to play here. Yeah, yeah, and, and the rules have changed by that point. The goal has changed uh, potentially, and it's a moving target. And I mean, I think that's that is one one reason why you want to have a strong outer game. With uh, I would say um, move the move frequency on the outer game is I think less frequent, right? And you're talking about on the most inner game, it's got to be the moves are frequently coming. The consequences are frequently coming. The outcome is frequently coming. And then that's feeding back up into the larger context, right? Um, so these decisions on, you know, like the quick decisions, because these, the outer game, the most outer game, right? It's the big battle. It's the, it's the, you know, we move the Corellian cruisers or, you know, the, you know, the big ships into position, you know, that takes a long time, you know, to move those ships into position. That takes a long time to move the Death Star, you know, to quote a little Star Wars here. Um, but the inner game could be like, you know, Millennium Falcon type stuff, right? Where that thing is zipping around, right? It's doing things, et cetera, uh, you know, to to borrow from Star Wars a little bit. Because, you know, frankly, like that's that's one thing that we love to uh, to think about is these big capital ship battles, um, you know. And so, yeah, I think it's useful to to think about multiple layers here. Now, get back to the office, right? We, 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 we're playing an incomplete information game here. Uh, Dwight and Jim don't know why 
the customer service. But they finally find out. There's little clues along the way, you know, that people are having these cups, these star cups, and uh, they finally figure out that uh, it's because they didn't go to Kelly's party. And uh, that's kind of the moment here uh, for this episode, which is that they figure out that, oh, crap, we didn't go to Kelly's party. And that's why she's mad at us. And she did all these things uh, in our in our customer surveys. And uh, she really she started this. She started this game. And now you got to figure out a way to finish it. Right. Yeah, they're sitting in the office and. Jim is just amping up Dwight, you know, Jim's strategy in this situation, he's, he wants to form an alliance with Dwight, Dwight, right? Because he's like, oh, actually, like, we're on the same side here. We can benefit from working together. And so he's like, you were right. You were right. But he plays a little bit too strongly, doesn't he? Because <laughs> Dwight, he doesn't anticipate what the consequences are going to be because Dwight immediately is like yelling to everybody in the entire office, like, I was right. <laughs> Oh man. I mean, he gets, yeah, he gets him really fired up. And of course it, 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 you know, I, I don't know. I think he just always leans into uh, Dwight's aggressiveness just to see, you know, which way can he get it to go? Because honestly, it's a, I, I look at it as a random function at the end. Like you don't know if Dwight is going to go light some firecrackers. You don't know if Dwight's going to go peel out in the driveway out front. Um, you don't know if he is, going to get his nunchucks out and <laughs> you don't know like that's what's so fun about him right and that's i think jim is like i'm going to play this game called random ending <laughs> you know and it there's never any consequences not i want to say never because there are sometimes consequences where it backfires on jim and we've seen those episodes and we're like oh man jim i feel for you buddy but you kind of brought it on yourself um but you know it he has a lot of fun because dwight's like a slot machine there's some kind of extre extreme output or ending that is going to be hilarious. And Jim just doesn't know which way it's going to go. And I think that's the fun for Jim to play with Dwight and to play this game with him that he plays all the time. Again, a lot of these things aren't connected. Like, what is the goal? The goal is not anything. It's the goal is for Jim to have fun, isn't it? I think the goal is for, for Jim to have fun always. That's like one of his primary drivers, but also he wants to get the bonus money for the house. So I think he he understands the game being the tactician kind of guy. He understands the game well enough to see that, like, he can kind of play this multiple different ways. And it probably ends up in his favor from a bonus perspective. As soon as he's figured out, like, what's going on, he's like, all right, there's going to be multiple trails that lead to the final understanding of what's going on here. And we can play it multiple ways. So, of course, he's leaning into the most fun way to play it, which is to amp Dwight up and, like you were saying, just, like, put a bunch of money in the slot machine to just see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I love that. You know, maximize your fun. I've said that before. You know, I mean, I do want to maximize the fun that uh, myself and everybody else has. Um, <laughs> it, I do want to say one thing here is that Michael tries to maximize fun. And I love how uh, he has this vulnerable moment with Kelly. Um, and I just have to talk about it because it's just funny to me. But, you know, he's like, I have an enormous amount of trouble trying to get people to come to my place. And I hate it. I can't tell you how much leftover guacamole I have ended up eating over the years. I don't even know why I make it in such great quantities. <laughs> it's just like his expectations, right? 
for for fun are completely different. It's you know Michael is the kind of guy who gets people over his house and he's like we're gonna have fun. But you know you remember the dinner party episode? I mean, oh man, that is it's just such a great picture of what Michael's idea of fun is. So Jim certainly knows how to have fun here, and Michael is kind of creepy with his fun, but that's okay. Um, you know, just going over Michael's house and just sitting around eating guacamole, I think it's, you know, that's, that's his idea of fun. He got everybody there, right? Um, anyway, well, we'll get back on track, but I, it, it wasn't the conversation after Jim and uh, Dwight get what they want. You know, Kelly fake cries, at least in the office. <laughs> it's, about <laughs> the best, it's about the best you can nail down Kelly for. Oh, that's, yeah, that, that seems great there. Michael's. Typical Michael. This whole uh, this whole episode, he's just all over the place. Michael never understands what game what game is being played. Pretty much, we talked about that in the last episode. He never seems to understand what game is being played. He oversimplifies the game constantly. Michael is a great example of how not to play the game ideally, <laughs> which is just stumbling into the room and just like figuring out what's going on as you go and just like naively not even trying to understand the rules. He's the guy who like you're playing a simple game like trouble or something like that. And he's just like, just smashing the dice. Just keep rolling the dice, keep rolling the dice. Like, dude, you got to move your, you got to move your game pieces. He's like, no, 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 this is how the game was played. And it's like, all right, well you can do that, but you're not going to win. <laughs> oh yeah. The, it's paper thin uh, analysis of what's going on. Right. So he's got his agenda. His agenda never changes. Um, you know, he wants to be a, a fantastic manager and so, you know, like that's what he keeps in mind. He never changes like internally. He never processes what other people are kind of going through, except at the surface. And I think that's that's his main his main challenge. And that's why he does a lot of what he does, which is he just doesn't let the situation change him. Um, it's it's really funny. I mean, he's he's always talking. He's very self-absorbed. Right. He's just he just like, you know, trying to get people to come over to my house. Like He turns her situation to something about him. Um, so yeah, I mean, so is there anything else that we want to learn about game theory from this episode? What do you think? Well, let me just extend on that one more. So the opening of this episode is with Michael acting like he's getting engaged, right? And he's once again, he's self-absorbed and playing this game where everybody's center, you know, everybody's kind of revolving around him. And Dwight's like, congratulations. Everybody's like coming in like, we're going to call your mom. We're going to call your mom. And Michael's like, all right, all right. And he like, he, I, I don't know what there is to glean from this necessarily, Derek, but it's like, there's a difference between a finite difference between playing the game for fun and just going out on a branch for absolutely no reason. And, and Michael <laughs> consistently like mistakes the game for just climbing out on the branch. It's, we talked about it in the last episode, just backing himself into a corner. Why does he back himself into a corner like this? He doesn't have to, but he just does. He always takes it one step too far. And it's like he never learns that he's that the branch is going to break under him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely the, the consequences. He doesn't anticipate consequences out of the first response. So the first level of response and kind of the, the iterations, right? He doesn't, he only does things one iteration at a time. Um, and it's almost like a stateless type thing where he's just like, I won't remember what I just did. I'm making the next decision uh, based on, you know, my, what's currently happening. Right. And so he's just like, OK, well, I'll call my mom. 
you know, he doesn't even think about how, you know, and, and he, he leads down the classic path again. And I think that's an interesting thing that we should talk about sometime in the future, which is how you can retread uh, decision paths that you have hit in the past, uh, how you have repeat games, right? Games that play out again. And isn't that because you haven't grown, right? Um, well, so it's I, an opportunity I, to grow. A game, a game playing yeah. out again is an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to make the right decisions this time, to reinforce the decision you made the first time. We talk about how we love in story closure on things and where the loop kind of, you know, everything loops in on itself and you get this nice, neat Christopher Nolan style ending where you're like, wow, that was sweet. Like everything, the, the characters, you know, did the right thing. They made the sacrifice, whatever. That's exactly right. Like the, the game does a lot of times these games, you have the opportunity to play them multiple times, a very similar game. And that's going to be the opportunity to grow because, well, you might lose one time, just like when you're playing, you know, very simple game like Trouble, right? You might lose one time, but you're going to learn, even though Trouble's fairly random, there are ways to win the game and there is there is strategy to the game. And slowly but surely, by understanding the model, by understanding the rules of the game, by writing the rules down, by visualizing things, by talking to the other players and stuff, you can start to figure out how better to play these games in the future. And you're right. You use the stateless thing, which might be a little bit uh, esoteric to some people. But the way that you described it, we, we can talk about it with like the climbing out on the branch analogy is like Michael is the idea is that he doesn't remember the previous step of the process and what the what the inputs and outputs were. He just was like. He, he keeps climbing one step out on the branch because there's an apple at the end of the branch. And he keeps forgetting that the last time he took a step out on the branch, like the branch started to shake. And so he just forgets and somebody eggs him on and he just goes right out to the next step on the branch. And then the branch falls down and then everybody's laughing at Michael. And then he climbs right back up on the tree and goes to the next branch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's perfect the way you explain that. Um, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, he doesn't remember what he just did. And so that's... We don't want to be leaders like that. We want to remember that this didn't work out so well last time, and this is what I'm going to do this time. And the more that you can uh, contextualize um, back to, hey, this is the fifth time I played this game. Hey, this is the tenth time I played a game like this, uh, and I'm going to do better this time, um, the better off you're going to be. Um, if you think of in terms of everything as an instance, as as a you know, and as a unique experience, you you're going to struggle. Um, I'm just going to put that out there because you're you're going to find that um, you're not going to try to think anew. You're not going to try to think of, well, this didn't go well last time because of this rule, or this didn't go well last time because of this decision. Uh, you know, I said this and this made the person uncomfortable and then the deal didn't go through or, you know, the negotiation didn't happen or this person didn't join my alliance. Um, so you have to, yeah, you have to be remembering. And I think that's why it's really helpful to kind of talk through the mechanics of games, because then I think as you, you know, you build out, you know, you, you kind of say, I mean, I found myself saying this before plenty of times, like, who are the players here, Right. And sometimes I'll say it silently and sometimes I'll say it overtly. I'll be like, well, who's who's actually who are the players in this game? You know, and then uh, I don't necessarily overtly talk about the rules per se. Um, I don't know what that is, but maybe I'm I don't know. 
but do you what what do you tell yourself drew well it's like an oversimplified version of like a boss fight in a video game maybe or sorry the boss fight in the video game is an oversimplified version of this right where it's like a difficult boss fight and you keep going up against it and the boss has a finite set of moves essentially maybe 10 different moves that they can make and they can do them in any different sequence um, and there's a big, you know, 3D space or whatever potentially you're operating within. You have all these different moves that you can make. And it's like you keep losing. But what you need to do is keep learning each time. So you have to figure out, OK, when they make this move, then I make this move. And it's an oversimplification of it, but it is something that happens. And how do we how do we it, it's not so obvious because it's not like you're, go, you're I'm Mario going up against Bowser every single time in real life. That's not what the situation is going to look like. That's why we're going on this wonder tour to define these different models or submodels of game theory and figure out what are these different games that are being played. Because once we can recognize the games, then we can start to stop make start stop making the mistakes that you see like Michael and Dwight and Jim making. Well, less so Jim, but particularly Michael and Dwight, because they fail to understand what type of game is being played. They don't get the rules and they just fall right into the opponent's hands. Yeah, that's perfect. I love it. Let's leave it right there. Um, So if you had anything you want to add on this uh, discussion, hit us up on The Wonder Tour on Twitter. And next time, we're going to have a special episode called A Rabbit Hole. And Drew, I want to let you talk about that for a second. Yeah, we're going to bring in a rabbit hole episode here. Since we've been theming up about game theory, we we want to be able to be, speaking of micro games, we want to be able to be fresh in the way that we're playing the, the game as well. So we don't want to just strictly talk about game theory for 10 straight episodes for our own good and maybe for the good of the listener. So we'll, we'll hop to something else here and we're going to talk about a, a Return of the Jedi scene, a specific scene there. Um, You might be able to guess which one it is, but we'll be bringing that back next time. Derek, take us home. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And remember, all who wonder are not lost. We'll see you next time.